Psalm 57 goes on to say, from verse 7, My heart is steadfast, O God. My heart is steadfast. I will sing and make music. Awake, my soul. Awake, harp and lyre. I will awaken the dawn. I will praise you, O Lord, among the nations. I will sing of you among the peoples. For great is your love, reaching to the heavens. Your faithfulness reaches to the skies. Be exalted, O God, above the heavens. Let your glory be over all the earth. The psalmist's tone now is joyous, and uh, they just want to praise God. Ah, he say, well, that's all very well for the psalmist, but I'm still surrounded by my troubles of life. I'm in no place to be joyous and praising God. When I passed the, uh, the order of service on to Ryan to prepare the slides, he contacted me and said, uh, you've missed out verse 5. Did I mean to? The answer was, it was no mistake. It was deliberate. Verse 4 is when the psalmist is uh, describing being surrounded by the lions, the ravenous beasts, and such like. Verse 6 is when his enemies have spread a net for him, and he's bowed down in distress. Verse 5, the one he thought I'd missed out, right in the middle of this, he says, Be exalted, O God, above the heavens. Let your glory be over all the earth. They're the words used again, as we saw, right at the end of the psalm, when he was in such a joyous mood. He turns to praise God in his darkest times and in moments of joy. So whatever circumstance we find ourselves in this evening, we bring a sacrifice of praise to our God, who is to be exalted. Thank you, Marion. I, I love the way you took us through Psalm 57 tonight. Uh, your thinking chimed very much with mine. So if I say stuff that Marion has already said, it might be because you need to hear it twice tonight. I don't know. God is a shelter. A shelter is a place which provides protection from danger. A place where you're shielded from attack. It's a place of safety, refuge, Somewhere you can run and hide until the storm has passed. Psalm 57 is a celebration of God as our shelter. It's God who comes to our defence when disaster threatens. And it begins with a cry for mercy. With the psalmist seeking refuge under the shadow of God's protecting wings. The image of a mother bird fluttering over her chicks to shield them from the sharp eyes of predatory birds of prey. Under the outstretched wings of God, we are protected, shielded, kept safe. And the psalmist appeals to God and cries out to God Most High because he trusts that God has an overriding purpose for his life. I cry out to God who will fulfill his purpose for me. His life is in God's hands. And if God has plans for him, then he can trust that God will fulfil those purposes. 
And so if this clear and present danger is not part of God's ultimate purpose for him, then we can have confidence that God will deliver him from it, carry him through it, bring him safely into the future which is still to come. If God still has work for him to do, then this isn't how it all ends. And if, in God's unfathomable purpose, this were to be how it all ends, then what else could he do but to entrust his life into the hands of God, who is the sovereign Lord of all? But if this threat, which is quite intimidating, forms no part of God's purpose for him, then he can trust that God will send rescue from heaven to save him. God will rebuke those who are in pursuit of his life. And the psalmist's confidence that God will do this is more than just an acquiescence in the idea that if God's plan for him can't be overruled, then what will be, will be. He has a clear sense that God is personally committed to him. So when the Lord does send from heaven to rescue him, the search and rescue team that come looking for him are God's love and God's faithfulness. And love and faithfulness are relational, not abstract terms. We know that God is love because that love extends to us and we experience its reality in our lives. We know that God is faithful because we found that God is faithful to us. And that is why we can trust him implicitly. Steadfast love and faithfulness are the qualities that characterise any relationship of deep commitment. And they characterise God's commitment to us. And at a time of great peril, the psalmist trusts that God will act out of love for him, that God will act in faithfulness to him. And so God will protect him and deliver him from the danger that threatens. And you can see why he's in trouble in verses 4 and 6, why the psalmist needs to make the Lord his shelter, because as things stand, he is exposed, vulnerable, friendless, and in danger. There is no one else he can turn to but the Lord. He's surrounded by by people who are out to get him, who are verbally assaulting him, who are doing their level best to destroy his good name. Their teeth are like spears and arrows. Their tongues are like sharp swords. Every word they speak draws blood from his soul. He feels like he's been surrounded by cannibals or lions. He feels as if the only place he has to lay his head down and get some sleep is is in the middle of ravenous beasts who are liable to set upon him if he closes his eyes for a moment. And in verse 6 he talks about those who are set on tripping him up, trapping him, those who had cut the very ground from underneath his feet, who are plotting to orchestrate his downfall. He is bent double in distress because they've spread a net for his feet and they've dug a pit in his path. But, because God is with him, because God is his protector and deliverer, the upshot is that they've fallen into it themselves. They have suffered the fates that they were planning for him, and God has turned their machinations back on their own heads. And that hasn't happened yet. 
As Marian pointed out, the psalmist is still right in the thick of it. But what we see here are expressions of confidence that despite everything stacked up against him, the Lord will come through for him. When he looks around, he sees people out to get him. When he looks down, he can see the traps they set for him, the net for his feet, the hole in his path. Yet despite these threats to his well-being that demand constant vigilance on his part, he still takes a moment to look up. And right in the middle of his description of the ravenous beasts waiting to devour him and the men who are working to bring about his downfall, there are these two lines of praise in verse 5, like snatching a moment of praise in the midst of his trouble. Be exalted, O God, above the heavens. Let your glory be over all the earth. And that declaration of praise is all the more meaningful and powerful precisely because it is earthed in a context where it feels as if everything else is falling apart. Our psalmist is right up against it. His life is on the line. If God does not save him, he will be utterly lost. Yet in the midst of all that turmoil and chaos and danger and confusion, he finds the time, he finds the emotional space to express these words of praise. Because despite everything that's going on around him, his confidence in God is unshaken. And the basis for that confidence is his personal knowledge of God's steadfast love for him. God's faithfulness towards him. This is praising God in and through adversity. Being in trouble but praising God because you know that God is the one who is with you and who will rescue and deliver you. And you could say actually that our readiness to worship God when things are going badly is a measure of our readiness really to put our trust in him. Because it's when things are going wrong that we really find out what it means for God to be our saviour, our deliverer and our shelter. When our life is on the line, that's when we turn to him and we find his steadfast love and faithfulness. And so the psalmist can genuinely say, my heart is steadfast, O God. My heart is steadfast. And it holds steady because his heart is resolutely and unwaveringly fixed upon the Lord. That is his fixed point. That is his security. That's where he gets his strength and his steadiness from. He will not be overwhelmed because his heart is steadfast and his heart remains steadfast because it is fixed on the Lord who is his shelter. And that's how he finds it in his soul to sing a song of praise to God in the midst of his troubles. He rouses up his soul from stupor. This is no time to be giving up and giving in to the weariness, just allowing everything to shut down as if this is the end and it's all over, he can't cope anymore. No! While it's still dark, he will awaken the dawn. He will anticipate the dawning of God's life in his, light in his life by singing and making music on the harp and the lyre. And his song is found in verses 9 to 10. I will praise you, O Lord, among the nations. I will sing of you among the peoples. For great is your love reaching to the heavens. Your faithfulness reaches to the skies. These 
are probably not the psalmist's own words. These are words he's pinched from another psalm. You find them in Psalm 108, verses 3 to 4. I will praise you, O Lord, among the nations. I will sing of you among the peoples. For great is your love, higher than the heavens. Your faithfulness reaches to the skies. What he's doing is he's singing a song of praise that somebody else has written. But he carries it in his heart and in his soul. Do you ever do that? Do you ever sing songs or hymns to yourself out loud if nobody else is listening? Or if you can't sing, then do you listen to praise and worship songs in the car or around the house? Lauren Daigle, everyone listens to Lauren Daigle these days it seems. But music is a powerful thing. Sometimes we can sing songs of praise like this because we've learned them over the years and they just well up inside us and and what we feel finds expression in words of praise, words that come back to us when we need them. Because we sung them with God's people and when we find ourselves alone, those words come back to sustain us. Sometimes your heart just feels empty, lifeless, dead. The last thing you feel like doing is picking up a musical instrument and singing your heart out to God. Yet sometimes, you know, when you... When you sing those words, the truth that they express on our lips when we sing God's praises, that truth worms its way into our minds and our hearts and lifts our spirits. And we say, yes, despite everything, although everything's gone wrong, although I feel nothing, God is still God. God is still good. God is still worthy of what praise I can give him. I will trust him for the future. So put on those songs. Listen to them in the car, round the house, sing them in your heart. Let those words nourish and restore your faith and trust in God and declare that God's love and faithfulness are great. They reach to the heavens, they extend to the clouds. To declare that builds the psalmist's faith and confidence in God. Because it is God's love and faithfulness that will be his rescuers when God acts to save him. It will because the Lord sends his love and faithfulness down from heaven to deliver him. So the secret of not being overwhelmed and crushed by everything crowding in on him here and now is to look up beyond the immediate pressures because whatever problems or issues we face, however great they may seem to be, the reality is that they are dwarfed by God's great love and faithfulness towards us. And worshipping God reminds us of that. And so the psalm closes with a repeat refrain of the declaration of praise that's been made right in the centre of adversity. Be exalted, O God, above the heavens. Let your glory be over all the earth. Worshipping God has this capacity to take us out of ourselves, to lift us up. And as Marion said, this isn't a psalm written after the event. The psalmist isn't looking back and reflecting how God acted to save him when he was in trouble. It's a psalm written when everything is still wrong, when nothing is resolved. There are still people out to get him and he's in deep trouble, but in the midst of that he's saying, God's love is great. 
God's faithfulness extends to the heavens. Be exalted, O God. Let your glory be over all the earth. And there is a progression in the psalm. Again, as Marian pointed out, it starts with a cry for mercy, just an appeal. God, I'm in trouble. Have mercy on me. Help me. God is the refuge in which the psalmist will take shelter from the impending disaster. He cries out to the God of heaven to save him. The middle of the psalm, we find expressions of praise jostling for airtime with the explanations of his plight, sometimes switching backwards and forth between the two suddenly and unpredictably. Everything's wrong, but God is good. But despite everything that's going on, the psalmist's heart remains steadfast, and the psalm ends with a sustained expression of praise. It begins with a cry for mercy because I'm in so much trouble. It ends with an expression of praise because, God, you are so brilliant. And the situation hasn't changed. But it no longer dominates the psalmist's heart and mind. Fear has been replaced by confidence. An awareness of danger has been eclipsed by a more profound awareness of God's sovereign protection. And that's the difference that praise makes. It's not just a matter of whistling in the dark. It's not about whistling in the dark at all. It's about recognising that God is my shelter. I can trust him because of his love and faithfulness. He will keep me safe. And that's why the worship that we bring to God here Sunday by Sunday is important. Because in the midst of busy and pressured and stressy lives, we take time out from our workplace, from our home situation, and we come here and we remember that God is good and God is great. His love reaches to the heavens. His faithfulness to the clouds. We get a different perspective on all those things that crowd in us, in us. And we take that awareness of God's greatness and goodness with us back out into the challenges of the coming week. And like the psalmist, we find that the songs we have sung in church with God's people come to our mind and lift our spirits when we're alone and in trouble and life goes belly up. So take this with you into the coming week. God is your shelter. He will keep you safe. You can trust him. Take the songs of praise you've sung here today with you into this coming week. And in a changing, unstable and threatening world, may you find God's love for you reaching from the heavens to earth to rescue you. His faithfulness which extends to the, si to the skies, coming down to surround you. And may that knowledge make your heart steadfast, steady, unwavering through whatever comes. Amen. I had it in mind to close by singing praise to the Lord, the Almighty, the King of creation. And there was a specific verse that I wanted us to sing. Praise to the Lord, who uh, all things so wondrously reigneth, shelters thee 
under his wings, yea, so gently sustaineth. Hast thou not seen? All that is needful hath been granted in what he ordaineth. For some reason, the editors of Songs of Fellowship and Baptist Praise and Worship left that verse out. They will answer for it on the Day of Judgment. <laughs> 